Alright, so welcome to episode 2 of the Joyful Exiles podcast with Tyler, Jess, and Cheyenne. Yay! Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, Uh, so for this episode we are going over part 2 of Joy for the World by Greg Forster. Um, Chapters 3 through 5, I believe. Um, And so in this section of the book, Forster is really talking about three roles... um, of the church and of Christianity, and Tim Keller kind of talks about this. It's Tim Keller's idea of how there are um, prophets, priests, and kings, and we're going to be going all into what that really means and how each of us identify with one role or the other and how we see these roles um, interacting with each other and how they're, um, and how each person can be all, can be all three and how far they actually go in our lives. And Cheyenne, if you wouldn't mind kind of breaking down this idea. Yeah, so this section of the book, like Tyler said, is talking about the roles of Christians, how we influence culture through kind of three different roles of prophet, priest, and king. And yeah, so the idea comes from Tim Keller that Christians live out the threefold office of Christ, of prophet, priest, and king. And he says our impact within civilization ultimately grows from the threefold office of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. Christ exercises these offices supremely. He does so both in his own person, in his being, and through his ongoing ministry to us in the spirit. As a result of our union with Christ, we exercise in a subordinate way the same offices. So Forster says that Christians, individual Christians will naturally be drawn to one of these so prophet would emphasize doctrine, a priest would emphasize devotion, and a king would emphasize stewardship. Now, obviously, every Christian is going to, there's going to be overlap, like every Christian should be living out all of these roles as we imitate Christ, but we'll probably tend to emphasize one over the other. Um, and I think it's just a nice paradigm for understanding um, how Christians interact with culture, and it kind of also fits like the head, heart, and hands idea. Um, so the the prophet would be like the head, the priest would be the heart, and the king would be the hands. So those are our three main points for this podcast, talking about the king, prophet, and priest. And I will turn it over to Tyler. So I'm going to be going over the role of the king. Uh, and really, this doesn't necessarily fall along with what we usually think of when we picture a king. Um, I know for me personally, when I think of a king, I think of some medieval dude with a crown on his head and, (laughs) you know, being kind of tyrannical and telling peasants that they can't have nice things. Um, But really, this idea of a king is being um, a steward, um, managing what the Lord has provided well. Um, and it's managing things with the knowledge and the belief that um, every area of our lives uh, God does actually speak into. Um, And so when we think about the idea of dualism, which is, for me, in my own life, it's like growing up, going to high school, and you go into a classroom or like a sports field, and you don't really feel, at least I didn't feel, that like my faith played a major part 
like mm-hmm. when I'd go to math class or when um, I'd like be at lunch or you know playing basketball um, but really there isn't any area of life that the gospel does not speak into directly especially when we understand the creational narrative with the creation the fall the redemption and the restoration we see that every area of creation is a blessing um, and Forster um, uh, just to draw a quote out from him he said that we were designed to take potential blessing and turn it into actual blessing and that practicing good stewardship in all of life is as critical to the joy of God as doctrine and devotion um, because I'll get into the because I don't know where I was going with that I kind of lost track of what I was saying but um, it it is like a transformative thing when you think about how um, sanctification has to follow regeneration that's another quote from the book and how Christ comes into our, our hearts and this is essentially the um, the act of living out his love that we've received to others and to other areas of our life. Um, do you guys have any um, experience with this? Do either of you like identify strongly with this one? Because um, me personally, I identify more um, as uh, the prophet, but I will fully admit the um, for me letting Christ kind of like speak into every area of my life and being reflective on past experiences that's probably something that like I really struggle with um, mm-hmm. I'm just not as in I don't take initiative with my reflections and what God has tried to show me but I'd like to hear your your guys' thoughts on this yeah I I almost think our culture tends more toward like the prophet role mm-hmm. Because we tend to emphasize, like, doctrine a lot in, like, evangelical Western culture versus actually, like, the practical, like, putting our faith into action. So I really like how he said, like, stewardship isn't just about our money, but it's all of life. Right. Yeah, I think for me, when I didn't really understand what walking with the Lord looked like, um... I didn't really incorporate God into a lot of things. Like, I had my faith compartmentalized. It was like I have my school, I have my friends, and then I have my sports, and then God was, like, another thing. Mm. But it wasn't the filter or the lens by which I ran all the other stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I've had to learn along the way, and that's not always taught in church. Mm. It wasn't taught in my church. I learned that just along yeah. the way. Um, so that's really important that we, that we teach that. Speaking of teaching. (laughs) Speaking of teaching. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about, um, the duty of the prophet, um, and how pastors and teachers, um, have that duty. And it's funny, you went before me talking about stewardship because I was really thinking about that. Um, as like the pastor's job. So pretty much the prophet's duty is to communicate what the Lord is saying right now uh, to his people. 
and to help the church, help their congregation um, understand scripture and help it help them apply it to their daily lives and really just investing that time and that energy. Um, so something I've heard people say is like, oh, the Bible is dated. It doesn't apply. We can toss out the whole Testament. Um, but the scripture is living and, and it's active. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also the word of God endures forever. So it's the job of prophets or the pastor or teacher to teach their congregation like this applies in every area. Um, and as they walk through different topics, just making that clear. Um, too often, I think we see um, pastors stick heavy with the topical stuff and just talk about a topic kind of with mm -hmm. like a Christian theme, but not really... Uh, exegeting the scripture with all of that um so it's really important that we teach our i'm saying we like i'm a pastor um, so okay yeah. question with that is yeah. it just pastors that fit this role or do you see no. it as being broader than that um no well here's the thing here's what i didn't know at one point either pastoring is actually a spiritual gift hmm. uh the way teaching is as well so it's not just this is your job, therefore this is what you're doing. It's like, on some level, we, we all have the ability to teach, but even those who have that gift um, to uh, steward the body, uh, to teach the body, that's what they do as well, regardless mm -hmm. of whether or not that's your actual vocation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so we need scripture to uh, instruct us, uh, renew our minds and also to heal our hearts as well heal our spirits uh, the scripture is good for all of that um, secondly um, some believe that focusing on doctrine is legalistic and we should focus on experiencing God instead um, I've heard that in some churches and it's it sounds interesting sometimes like oh you know we want people to experience God like yes mm -hmm. yes like the Lord is here. The spirit is moving right now. Um, but I've also seen people get kind of tossed around by different practices um, and getting kind of carried away with emotionalism sometimes um, and not focusing that same energy with scripture. And that's one extreme. Um, and the other extreme of it is is being legalistic, saying like, oh, we're not going to worry about the emotions, that emotionalism is all bad. Um, let's just focus on um, what the scripture is saying, but God does both. Um, he uses our emotions to connect with us. Um, he's a very personal God. We have a personal and intimate relationship with him, but doctrine keeps us grounded. Um, so we're not led astray by our hearts and our feelings. Um, also, so another important thing that we read in the book was that um, another job of a pastor is to just declare what God is saying, declare the word, and not confuse his own judgment or opinions um, with the Bible. And he has to be careful to separate those two things. Like, be clear about what's your opinion, what are the illustrations or applications that you're bringing into this versus what is God actually saying in his word. Um, and the book of James actually says, like, not everybody should be teachers because you'll be judged more harshly. Mm -hmm. um, so that job is very, very heavy. Um, but it's also hard to do, and that's why the Holy Spirit will help you. Um, um, blanking right now. <laughs> but yes, as far as separating those things and being clear with your congregation, like 
this is what I'm bringing to the table as far as an illustration or an application and things like that. Um, this is something that I'm using to illustrate what God is saying versus just what scripture. Um, and also, like, God has given pastors and teachers um, the body to steward. Like you were saying, it's their job to take care of this part of the body, but it's not to use um, his church as his own platform to run off and on his own ideas or her. Right. I guess for some people believe her, too. Um, <laughs> and then my third uh, point is to not see pastoring and teaching as... Um, a way to scold or beat the people into submission, uh, but to clearly explain to people um, that their identity in Christ will motivate them to actually follow what scripture says. Um, mm -hmm. So this is the example that I thought of, like when you're talking about sex in the church, right? They always said, don't have sex for marriage. Growing up in church, I was like, I understand you, but why? No. You know? Yeah. And because I didn't understand why, I really listen. <laughs> um, and so what we should be focusing on is like, this is why. Because you are a child of God, and therefore you should be valued and seen as such. Um, and your body is something that the Lord has given you to take care of and to steward. Um, and sex is a gift to be shared in marriage and not something just to be given away to anybody who asks. Um, and the only person that you should be sharing that with is somebody who... Um, was willing to stand before God and your families and your friends in the state and say, I will value this person and I will treat them the way um, that the Lord would and I will see them the way that the Lord will. Like that is the, it's a strong commitment. It creates a strong bond that really should be taken, taken seriously. Um, not because, oh, just because God says, says so, but you're seeing yourself the way the Lord sees you. You're seeing sex the way the Lord would have you to see it. And therefore, that'll influence your actions. Um, I wasn't taught that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And how many of you were taught that way? Um, it would, Not um, church. <laughs> feel free to share if you were. Yeah. Um, but I, I personally wasn't. I know a ton of people weren't. It was just a rule that, hey, what happens if I break it? You know what I mean? And we didn't really know. So it's so important to for pastors and teachers to say, don't just hit the people over the head with rules, but to explain the heart of God behind what he says. Um, mm -hmm. Not so they just feel like, oh, I'm just following a rule, but they are motivated um, by, the, by their identity in Christ um, and, you know, and are motivated to do it. So, Yeah, I love how you connected that to real life and just like the, um, you know, doctrine is beautiful. Like it... Mm when we really understand the heart of God behind the guidelines and boundaries that he's given us, it really is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I am going to be talking about the priest, and that is, I think, more or less the, the one that I would identify with probably the most. Um, so Jesus, obviously, is our great high priest, as Hebrews says, and we don't fulfill the role in the same way that he does as a mediator between God and people. Um, or even in, like in the Old Testament, the priests were devoted to God and acted as mediators between God and people. Whereas now Jesus is our mediator. Um, but we are called to be priests in the sense of offering ourselves as sacrifices to God, um, offering sacrifices of worship and devotion and repentance 
Um, 1 Peter 2, 5-9 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Forster says that the Christian who's drawn to the priest tends to emphasize devotion um, and heart change and acts of mercy and compassion to lead others to Christ. So it's a focus on um, pers- like heart transformation over doctrine at times, which can get out of balance for sure, um, but that would be kind of the focus, and also on mercy and compassion. So Hebrews thirteen fifteen to 16 says, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not de- neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So I think for me personally, like, my tendency is to focus a lot on personal relationship with God and personal devotion to God and also reaching out to people through um, mercy, which is why, you know, I'm in social work. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I really like the chapter on priesthood. He talks a lot about how Christians are liberated by the heart transformation that comes from the gospel and he says that we then carry that transformation into everything that we do. So it's more of like an attitude toward the things that we do. So I think if you look at the book, the other book that we're reading by um, Jay Gresham Machen, he really emphasized doctrine. So I'd say he was probably like very strong on the prophet. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the one article that we read by John Piper, I think, um, introducing him, mm-hmm. it talked about Machen like overemphasizing doctrine almost. Well, not necessarily overemphasizing it, but de-emphasizing his personal relationship mm-hmm. with God, mm-hmm. where like it didn't seem like he really was developing or nurturing his own like prayer life. And to me, that's really sad. Um, and so that's something that really bothers me in the church if it seems like doctrine is only being emphasized and personal devotion is not Mm -hmm. but I think that devotion without doctrine and stewardship is like infatuation without commitment like it's not sustainable so we definitely need all three and do you guys have any thoughts on that? yeah I feel like I imagine uh, people within the church that are so uh, focused on preaching the truth and making sure their doctrine is foolproof. I feel like they, and speaking from a little bit of personal experience, like it's very hard to to let go or to, to open up and be vulnerable and to mm-hmm. actually have a, a one-on-one talk with God um, or to uh, truly be convicted for their own sins because at at some point I can imagine um, you know prioritizing getting the right doctrine so much that it's a means of um, escaping what's what's really going on in your life and being in in denial about your own sin Um, yeah yeah it's an interesting thing to think about Um, so going forward now into 
our final segment, which is about uh, our application. Um, for me, personally, when, uh, what I'm taking away from this in terms of uh, is dual, and dualism and uh, stewarding, um, it, I, for one, need to be better in uh, talking to God consistently um, and asking Him what He's trying to show me and reflecting on what has happened and being intentional about how I can make a change in the future with what has happened. Um, for example, there are many good things going on in my life right now, but at home, just recently, we having a bit of a, a family crisis, and it is shadowing everything else that's good in my life right now. Mm. Um, and so if faith is what doesn't change when our situations do, um, then it, then I'm going to understand where, what my faith is really in, um, in the upcoming future. And where is I going with this? The, the idea of dualism is that, that the gospel can be not that shadow, but like that bright light that shines into everything else in life. Um, and so that's what I'm really taking away from this. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now called Gospel Fluency. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it talks a lot about like how the gospel applies to every area of our lives and learning to apply it to our own lives. Right. I think that's a good um, understanding of stewardship. Yeah, so application for me um, from the priest thing is, I think, recognizing that that is what I'm drawn to and growing in that, like growing in my personal relationship with God and devotion to God and inviting other people into that and calling other people into that. Um, but also remembering that doctrine and stewardship are really important for the church and I can't just leave that for other Christians but I also need to be developing that in my own life I think especially stewardship like it's easy for me to kind of separate my thinking from what I'm actually doing at times um, without even realizing it so I really want to learn how to love God not only with my head and my heart but also with my hands um, for me, um, this is one of my spiritual gifts, I believe, is teaching. I love it. Um, <laughs> I don't do it very often, but I do love it. Um, but one thing I'm not doing too much of right now is getting into the Word. <laughs> mm. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> not the only one. You know, so if I'm, and not because I believe I'm called to do it in some way, but just I need this for my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Um, you know, we all have emotions, and that's okay. Uh, we all have feelings and a lot of stuff going on in our lives, and, and that's okay. You know, the Lord tells us we can come to him with all of our stuff, and um, he understands us in our weakness. However, we need the Bible. We need God's word to help us navigate through all that stuff. Um, unless we be, 
you know, totally consumed with our feelings and our thoughts, and there comes anxiety and a lot of other mess. Um, so we need that scripture to ground us um, and keep our head on straight, but also to know the heart of God as we, you know, um, go through life. Um, one thing I thought of, though, as far as the experiencing God is concerned, um, in the past couple of years, I think I've met a lot of, like, I guess people who would call themselves charismatic. <laughs> um, and it's cool to go to those churches. I'd be like, wow, it's, this is this is cool. Like the Holy Spirit's <laughs> in here. Okay. Um, but sometimes I remember hearing somebody talk about glory bombs, how like you kind of, oh, you, you turn your hand like this and you just kind of whoosh somebody. <laughs> and I was like, not sure. You know? Not sure about that. Um, you know, Where do you so, see that in scripture? That's what I'm saying. Like, I have yeah. never heard the word glory. Glitter, <laughs> like, like holy um, glitter. <laughs> you know, like, these are the things. So, you know, experiencing God, yes, like, God meets us right where we are, right in a church building. The Lord will just take you over, consume you, yes. But we got to be careful about what we just allow ourselves to be led by mm-hmm. um, and just filter everything through the word of God. So we got to get in it. And encourage other people to do the same. So, that's yeah. me. What a good word to end on. Can't influence society without the word of God. True. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, I think we've hit all our points. Um, thanks for uh, for tuning in to uh, the second episode. We'll uh, see you guys in the future. <laughs>